Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Can you make sure you've got Galatians chapter 3 open? Have you ever felt second class? I, uh, I was at a wedding. I'm a really good friend of mine in Wicklow, and... Uh, <laughs> We arrived early, a group of us, a sort of group of friends, and we arrived in, and, and the, the wedding was in this uh, lovely sort of very old, tiny kind of chapel, sort of halfway up a hillside. And we came in, and one of the bridesmaids was there, and she ushered us right up to the front to these seats that were just sort of on the side, you know, like a, a meter or two away from the bride, where the bride and groom were going to be. And we just felt like first class. This was just awesome that we were stuck in these seats. And so we watched everybody filing in, sitting into their seats, and, and you know, quite smug, sitting where we were. And then with about five minutes to go, Someone came up to us and said, what are you doing sitting in these seats? These seats aren't for you. They're for the family and people that, you know, are important and matter. And, uh, and so we, all of us, there was about six or eight of us, had to get up and walk down the aisle with everybody sitting in their seats. And we ended up pretty much in the back row. Um, and in fact, I didn't even get a seat of my own. Um, I was sort of perched between two seats because three of us were sharing two seats at the back. And boy, did I feel second class. Um, and maybe, maybe you know that kind of experience. Maybe you know it um, in a sort of, you know, a more significant way. So you look at your friends and actually th- they seem to have uh, bigger cars and, and have moved to nicer apartments than you. Or maybe it's a, at work. <coughs> you just feel so second class. You know you've got so much to offer, but people just keep on getting promoted past you. Well, you look at others, and maybe um, you see them and you think, oh, those guys, they're sort of in the in crowd. I'm just not as funny, or I'm not as loud, or I'm not as sporty, or I'm not as capable. You know, if only I could do something to increase my status, then I would feel like I really belong. Or actually, we can feel that as Christians, feel like we're second class, that, that we don't really belong. So, so you look at him in church, and he's just so gifted, leading the worship, so involved. Or, or maybe you look at her here on this weekend, and she's so godly, so gracious. And you think, oh, if they really knew what I was like. If only I could do something to increase my status, then I would belong. Then I'd be one of them. And these Christians in Galatia that Paul is writing to, this is what they're being told. There is something that you can do to increase your status. And then you will really belong. This is what we've been looking at over the last um, uh, couple of days. If you really want to be part of God's people, they're being told, if you want to be one of Abraham's descendants' sons, well, then you need to take on the marks of the of God's people. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow um, the law. What do we think we must do to really belong? What what do we think will increase our status so that we we go from sort of economy Christians to first-class Christians? Do we think it's if we know the Bible better, we, we know the theological answers? 
that, that we feel confident enough to, to pray out loud in a public meeting. Or maybe it's, we think, uh, you know, if I could just stop feeling a fraud, if, it, if I didn't struggle so much with doubts or temptations. And Paul writes to these guys, and he says to them, if you think that, that you need to do something to belong, you need to stop thinking like that. Don't do that. Because if you do, actually, you're not going to be acting like spiritual elite. He says you're going to be spiritual slaves. Because adding something, doing anything, won't lead to belonging. It won't lead to blessing, but division and slavery. And as we've been seeing, could even end up with us deserting Christ altogether and putting our trust in those things which actually will leave us with no future and no part in God's people at all. It won't add to our status before God. Do you know why? Because if we are trusting in Jesus Christ, we could not have a greater status than we already have in him. Have a look at verse 26. So in Christ Jesus... You are all children of God through faith. Here is the status, children of God. Actually, it's even stronger than that. So um, uh, it is literally sons of God. And, and I think that's a better translation. There's lots of um, the new NIV that's really helpful, new translations. I, I think here they, they've been less than helpful. And, and why is that? Well, because sons isn't a sexist term here. Um, actually, we're going to see a little bit later on. Um, there's neither male nor female. It is a privileged term. Because what Paul is saying when he says you are sons of God, in that ancient culture, the son was the one who got the lion's hair of the inheritance and was, and was promised the highest position, the highest status. That is what it means to be a son. And Paul is saying that all Christians, whether we're male or female, have this status. And ahead of us, this amazing promised inheritance. And so when you see sons of God, and maybe you've got it in some of your, your versions here, don't think sexist, since think privilege. In the same way that you think privilege when you know that male or female, we're the bride of Christ. And if we're all sons, what we're going to see Paul say here is that there are no different classes when it comes to being a Christian. We're going to look at two things tonight. Here's the first one. If you're trusting in Jesus, we are no longer divided. We are all one. No longer divided. We are all one. All one for two reasons. Here's the first. Because all became Christians the same way. Look at verse 26 again. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God, sons of God, through faith. How did we get this status, this position? Again, we've been thinking about this. It's not by what we do. It's not by relying on human effort or performance. It is because of what Jesus has done. It is through faith in Jesus. It's relying on him, trusting in him. We all became Christians the same way. And here's the second thing. 
We're all one because we're all given the same standing before God. Verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Now, now just for a moment, I love baptisms. We've got a baptism service coming up in, in church in a couple of weeks' time. But um, being water baptized does not make you a Christian. It is the sign that you've received Jesus and become a Christian. But when we have received Jesus, when we've become a Christian, what Paul is saying here is that we are clothed in Jesus Christ. Ever been to uh, an event in the wrong clothes? <laughs> I'd love to hear some of the stories. There's a few nods. You've gone to that restaurant um, or that bar, and they just—they won't even let you in with what you're wearing. Um, or maybe it would be like me turning up to that wedding. I'm not just sitting in the wrong seat, but actually like wearing sort of running clothes. I just really w- wouldn't feel like I belong. <coughs> and maybe you feel actually like that here in, in church, here in this church community, or before God. And you think... You know, I I sort of dressed myself up in front of people, but actually if they saw what I was really like, what my life is really like, how I'm really dressed, you know, just that the the reality of the deep dirt ingrained in me, that sin, that self-righteousness, that pride, or the the clothes I wear with tears in them, I've just hurt others so deeply, there's so much brokenness. Or, or the ways that I have just said to God, I, I know that you're there. And I've just, I'm going to do my own thing, thanks. And we think, you know, this is how I'm dressed. There's just no way I can belong. I'm not even black, back row. And so do we try and clean ourselves up? Well, we've been seeing, no, we don't do that at all. And here again, Paul says, look, you've been clothed in Christ. Clothed in the perfect one. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see how I failed this week. What he sees is Christ and his perfection. He sees righteousness. So I see pride. I think, oh, you know, I I did I did that really well. It's just really impressive by me. God sees Jesus' humility. The one who humbled himself even to a cross. Or I see lust. And I, and I treat people of the opposite sex like objects. And God sees Jesus who always treats people appropriately, including the opposite sex. I I see anger, and God sees me clothed in Jesus, in the one who is so patient, patient with his disciples when they just wouldn't get anything, and yet again and again, he just showed his patience, patience with us. See, how God sees you if you're a Christian how God sees every Christian. He sees us as he sees his son. He loves us as much as he loves 
God the Son. Because we are clothed. We are sons of God because we are clothed in the Son of God. And that means that you cannot have a better standing before God. He can't love you any more or any less. We are sons of God. It also means that there aren't different classes of Christians. There's no back row seats, actually, for a single Christian. Every Christian is front row. And if we're Christians, it means we're equal before God. And so that's what Paul says. We're all one. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, actually, we're living in a world, and increasingly so, where we're just told that there's just no distinctions at all. You know, you can just be who you are. Um, you know, you, you can do whatever you want. You can change your gender. Actually, someone this week, apparently, I can't rem remember the country. Maybe you guys can help me out. What? Dutch guy on the age issue. Yeah. Um, has applied legally to have his age changed. Um, he's not going to win, apparently, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're Dutch prophet over here, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, Paul, when as Paul writes this, he's not saying these differences cease to exist. Um, you know, so, some of these differences, slavery is not so good. Um, gender is part of God's good order. What he is saying here is that all Christians, irrespective of their situation. Is are of equal value, equal status, equal class. Whether you're the, the, the master or the slave. And actually these uh, sort of three things that are pulled out in this verse were sort of the three ways to look down on people in that time, in that society. So ethnicity. You know, I'm a Jew, you're a Gentile. Or, or, or um, socially or with gender. And actually, it's similar in our, in our world today, actually. Despite the efforts to, to get rid of um, distinctions, there's still a whole load of division, isn't there? Whether it's ethnicity and race, whether it's sort of affluence and status, whether it's... Um, I mean, even still, we, we've come such a long way in our society in terms of um, treating men and women equally. But even that, there's still inequality. Well, not for God's family. Because we are all one. So there is no north-sider and south-sider if you're a Christian in Dublin. There's no working class or middle class. There's no Catholic background or Protestant background or atheist background. There's no Irish or international. There's no outgoing or quiet. There's no single or married, young or old. There's no Christ City Church founders. Or Christ City Church new arrivals. There's no unemployed, working, educated, wealthy, poor, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing? And that means we've just got to view ourselves, others, church, actually other Christian sort of groups just, just differently maybe to how we sometimes do. So, you know, I need to view myself with this status. So, so I, I don't feel second class 
I don't compare myself to others. I don't let you judge me. I remember I'm clothed in Jesus Christ. I'm God's loved son. Or, or it affects how we view others, so we, we don't treat others as second class. You know, we, we don't treat them differently if, if they're different to us, or if they're a newer Christian, or if they just don't seem as capable. They're no less loved by God. We should view church differently. All of us are on the same plane. We all belong to each other. We should all care for each other equally. Other Christian groups, it should affect how I, how we view them. If they love and rely on Jesus, then they are just as much as of just as much a part of God's family as I am. And so there might be disagreements about secondary things, but, but we mustn't look down on them or speak ill of them. See, the reality is there's nothing we can do to make God accept us more because we're not back row Christians. We all have seats at the front. We're children of God, sons of God, no longer divided, all one. Now, if we are tempted to try and divide ourselves or other believers into different classes, well, Paul's going to go on to say, that's just going back to slavery again. And here's the second thing we're going to see tonight. No longer slaves, all sons. So chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, this is what Paul says. He says, I want you to picture a big house, okay? Maybe something that looks like Castle Daly Manor. Let's go back a couple of hundred years, okay? So, you know, there's a lord of the manor and, um, and you know, his, his privileged family and the servants running around looking after him. And, um, and so he says, picture a big house and then picture two boys, okay? First of all, there is uh, the son of the lord, the heir. Let's call him um, uh, Steve just for the sake of... So Steve. And then um, there's another boy. A slave, a servant, he's the lowest of the low. Let's, let's call him um, Patrick Tice or something like that. <laughs> Pat, yeah, so Steve and Pat. Like, they might look different. So Steve's, you know, they're dressed up in his, his sort of fluffy shirts and his, his nice clothes. He's, um, you know, being educated by his tutor. He's eating the finest foods. And Pat, well, he's just grubby. Um, <laughs> They might look different, but actually Paul says they're really not. Look at chapter 4 and verses 1 and 2. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. You see the slave, the, the servant part? isn't free. But the son isn't free either. The son is subject to, to guardians. So that, you know, the tutor says, you've you got to do this, and they've got to do it. The, the trustees, they manage and control the estate. Neither of them are free. Now, what is, what is Paul going on about here? Um, 
this big estate and, and two boys. Well, I think this is what he is saying, that the son is like the Jew. So given God's promises through the ancestors, down through the ancestors, these promises of amazing blessing. And the slave is like the non-Jew, the one without the promises. But verse 3, without Jesus, both are slaves. Look at verse 3. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery, under the elemental spirits, sorry, spiritual forces of the world. Paul's saying, we, we also were slaves. Don't, don't become a Jew because it won't do anything for you. Paul says, I'm a Jew, but we also were slaves. Because without Jesus, there's only slavery. And actually, this isn't something that really we need to be told. We know this in our experience. That when we try to go back to living under the law, when I look for my identity or my belonging or my acceptance in the world, you know, I want people to say to me, oh, what a great career you have. Or uh, what a great parent you are. Or, or what great fun you are. Or, or I look for my identity um, in the church by sort of making a show of how committed I am or how spiritually alive I am. You know, if we, if we have our identity in, in these things, it's just slavery. We're controlled by these desires to prove ourselves. Others become our judge or our savior. And the danger is, and we've been thinking about this, that we swap trusting in Jesus to trusting in these things. But Paul says this, we know that we are no longer slaves. We're all sons. No longer slaves. And then he gives us, and this is brilliant, um, verses 4 to 6, he gives us the proof. Here's the proof that we're no longer slaves, that we're all sons. Two gifts from God. In fact, why don't you have a look at verses 4 to 6. I'll read them to you. Um, see if you can work out what these two gifts given by God are, okay? But when, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons... God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit he calls that Abba, Father. Two gifts. Did you spot them? He sent his son. And he sent his spirit. The two gifts first proves objectively that we've received the full rights of sons. And the second one, subjectively, gives us the experience of having full rights as sons. So here's the first one. First, we know objectively that we are children of God because he sent his son. Jesus came. It was fascinating. It's always interesting how God manufactures things, isn't it? So we were, we were thinking um, earlier on in the meeting just about um, how this extraordinary eternal son of God became a human. And here it is in our passage. Jesus came, born of a woman. Human, just like you, and you, and you, and you, and me, just like us. So, 
You know, here is the one who knows what it's like to be exhausted after a long week of work. You know, when he sat beside that well in Samaria, he could hardly get up to ask for, for a drink. Here is the one who knows what it's like to be let down by those closest to him. You know, Peter said, I'll be with you right to the end. I'll die for you. I'll die with you. And yet he denied him three times. He's a human like us. He knows what it's like to face temptations. He knows what it's like to to, to just want to look after number one. But he's not like us as well. See, here's the difference. Born under the law, but he kept the law. He didn't ignore God the Father. He didn't do his own thing. He was devoted to God. He was relating to him all the time. He loved others. He loved the outsider, didn't he? You know, there was nobody second class for him. You know, whether it was, uh, you know, the, the blind beggar on the side of the street and everyone else is just saying, shut up, shut up. And no, Jesus stopped. Or Zacchaeus, couldn't even get to see Jesus. They just did not like this man. I want to come to your house. He loved others. He told the truth, even if it hurt, even if it hurt him. Born under the law, but he kept it. He lived it. He lived the life we could never live, the righteous life, so that you and I could be clothed in righteousness. And then he died the death we deserve to die, taking our punishment. Why? Well, verse 5, to redeem those under the law, to redeem us from the law, to buy us back from slavery, to set us free from, from finding our identity in other things, from working our way to God, so that we could live the life that we were made for, live life with him. And he did it so that legally we were given the full rights as his children, as his heirs, as sons, the highest status in the universe. I wonder who it is you look up to. Is it, is it your boss at work? Is it one of your friends who's just extraordinary? Is it someone in the family? As Christians, we are equal heirs with the eternal Son of God. We don't get any higher than that. We need to remember we are all sons. And we know it because God sent his son. Secondly, though, we know it objectively. He sent his spirit. We feel it in our experience that God is our father and we are his children. So have a look at verse 6. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit he calls out, Abba, Father. Some Christians have an overemphasis, um, and some churches have an overemphasis on on feeling and experience. And, you know, you say, um, how do you know God loves you? And they say, well, you know, I just know it. I just feel it. And you think, well, what happens when you don't feel it? Does that mean God doesn't love you anymore? Uh, Other churches and Christians have an underemphasis on experience. I I suspect in the church where I serve, that's probably more our tendency. You know, if 
we are Christians, then deep down we should have this experience. Even if sometimes we forget. Because God has given us his Holy Spirit. And he causes us deep down to call out to God and call him Father. Now, I know for some of, some of the people here, for some of you, that actually might be really hard to hear because father for you isn't, isn't a warm, fuzzy term. It isn't a happy term. You think of your father and you think of the times he neglected you or actually the times um, where he did stuff to you that he should never have done. And so to think of God as father maybe for you is a really difficult thing. And what we need to try and do is realize that God the Father is the perfect Father. He is the one who is always loving, always merciful, always there for us, always follows through on his promises. And actually, this experience that we have, this word that we cry out to Father Abba is an intimate word. It is Dad. Now, I, I know you've seen my kids running around, and you may have noticed that they go, Dad, 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 and sometimes that's quite annoying. You know, I'm watching the rugby, and they're going, Dad, 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 and I'm just, shut up, I'm watching the rugby. But actually, that word is just such a special word. It's, a, it's a, just a wonderful word. They're the only ones who get to use that word. And actually, it speaks of the relationship we have. You know, they have an access to me, to talk to me whenever they want, about whatever they want. And, you know, sometimes they just tell me stuff. Like, Dad, I want you to come and see this picture I, I did in school. It's just amazing. I, I, I can't work out what it is. It just looks like splodge, but that's fine. Or actually, sometimes the dad is, is a cry for help, isn't it? So, Dad, because something really serious has happened. You know, they've lost their minion toothbrush. <laughs> or, or genuinely, you know, they've run into a wall and nearly knocked themselves out. Here's the amazing thing. That if we are trusting in Christ, we know deep down, it, it sounds crazy, we know deep down that the Almighty God, the, the one who's existed for all eternity, the one who is absolutely perfect, the one who has created every fiber of this universe, this eternal one is our dad. What a privilege. What a joy. Whatever our circumstances, this is true. Um, I'm so bad at remembering song lyrics, and I was desperately trying to think, oh, I want to remember this as we, as we come to look at this passage. I think we sang something like, when I'm in the valley, can someone help me with this? Um, I'll, I will still be dancing with joy. I will, I'll be dancing for joy. Actually, sometimes when you're in the valley, you probably feel like the last thing you want to be doing is dancing for joy. And yet if we know this, we know this reality that even in the midst of the pain and the hardship, Almighty God is our Father. There is joy. And I suppose that leaves us with the question, do we enjoy this? Do we enjoy this amazing privilege? So, so you know, when you need help, what do you do? What do I do? You know, I, I plan, I ask others first, you know, I maybe go to the experts, maybe I Google it. Surely the first thing we should do is to exercise this privilege and call out to Almighty God, Dad. 
And actually for you at the moment, maybe you're going through something really tough at the moment and you're thinking, you know, what on earth is God doing? Why is he allowing this happen? Maybe it actually is because God the Father wants you to find joy and peace and rest and freedom and experience even in the midst of this pain as you call out to him as dad. How do we enjoy it? Well, we call out. Call out when we're in need. Call out when we feel second class, when we feel like we don't belong, when we feel like we've got to make an effort. Call out to him. Or just enjoy being his children. Enjoy this amazing status that we have. Just talk to him, thank him, praise him. This is something I I only just noticed. um, I'm a little slow, but I only just noticed the last 24 hours. These two gifts, do you notice that they're actually one gift? God gives us himself. So we're given God the Son and God the Spirit that we might know God the Father. And as we enjoy this, we're proving, here is part of the proof that we are redeemed by the Son, that we are indwelt by the Spirit, and that we know Almighty God. We are enjoying being his children. And so verse 7, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Ever felt second class? Whatever others think of us, whatever we might be tempted to feel second class, know this, the Son has redeemed us, clothed us. God the Spirit is in us. In Christ we are all one, no longer slaves, all sons. Let me take a moment to pray. Our Father God, we want to pray for forgiveness that sometimes we just take this stuff for granted. That we don't realize what an amazing thing it is that we know you as your children. That you, the Almighty One, are our Dad, Abba, Father. And we praise you for this status, we praise you for this access, we praise you for this love. And we ask that you would increasingly help us to enjoy it, to live it out. (coughs) We pray that your spirit would help us to experience it. That as we look at your son, we would know objectively beyond all doubt that this is true. Please would you help us, we pray. Amen.